0: Well, good morning. What's up, Chris?
1: Good morning. We, uh, oh, that, that background might be a little busy today. Which one? The, oh, the one I got the planes in the background. I guess it
0: could work. Okay. Gotcha. See, I can't see that from here. Oh, I see it. Yep. I got it. Yeah, it did not look bad. So I didn't even notice. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well, we
1: can, we, can, we can leave it for now.
0: Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. I, I like it. So, Well, switch us around there. Last uh, last few weeks have been uh, actually the last several months have been insane. Um, But the last few weeks were really preparatory for going up to Seattle, up to uh, Boeing Field, up to the Museum of Flight in uh, Seattle.
1: Yeah, that's been uh, that was especially busy for us and for me. Um, So there's been a lot of focus on that for at least the past uh, month or two.
0: Yeah. So. So we're going we're gonna to dive in and just share some stuff, you know, learning from amazing people. I took away so much last week. People have been around a lot. Um, you know, we had 10 rookies up there that had never gone to the project before. Uh, that means there's 20, 20 of us that had been. Uh, it's a much smaller team. COVID kind of changed things, and uh, we're readjusting. It's been a, a big adjustment because – we, uh, you know, last year, the expectations were were what they were. You know, COVID hit. Everybody's kind of trying to figure out, you know, uh, they wanted a really small team. We actually had 19 um, last year. And then this year, the expectations were much higher, but a much, much smaller team. And so the pressure was kind of on and just, you know, my job changed. I was just roving a lot. Um, we got a lot of press. We got a lot of calls for press, um, but – it was, it was really cool, it, uh, but the people factor of it was, was unbelievable. But we want to we yeah. talk about it because we get a lot of questions on doing these projects and what it takes and should, be, should people be doing projects of their own. The answer is absolutely yes, but you got to be prepared. So hopefully this gives you some ideas, you know whether you're doing a, a really big project like this or just something that's big to you. Um, it could be one plane or one specialty car or a couple of museum pieces, whatever it may be but we want to kind of get it out there and share and then, and also get some facts out there that people ask about. So they're kind of fun, but, uh, we have uh, a cool shirt design that, uh, we had an artist do that. Uh, Chris, Chris dug up an artist that did a fantastic job. We had so many people in the industry back this up in a big way. Um, and it's just it, it was an amazing project it was an amazing time and it was amazing learning curve for us going from you know 50 or 60 people down to 20 but still having that that high expectation you know of everybody around us so we'll we'll get in and start start talking about it and talk about the people that are involved and the companies that are involved and and all that good stuff so did you rest up yet you know it's, it's going to take a little
1: time i think it's it's yeah. like uh it's like having Probably like having jet lag. It's just gonna take a little while to catch up. Yeah, but uh you know, I still have uh, um, I you know, I've been trying to prioritize stuff, so I still have a whole inbox full of stuff to go through and everything else, and get caught up. And
0: oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, if if, if you're
1: on this and you're waiting for something from me, be a little patient.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. You know. Yeah. You know. uh, it 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 was uh, cool, but for start, let's. uh You know, again, last week, I mean, I just learned from so many people, you know, there's and I tell the guys, you know, the guys and gals that it's like hurting angry cats because entrepreneurs, there are all these A-types and usually, you know, we don't, entrepreneurs don't come, you know, and work with other people, but it's really back to our, our statement of, of, of learning to, to follow. And there's so many great leaders in that group. That followed and I think what it does is a lot of people just don't get it and mainly it's people that don't That don't have followership that they they lead themselves and that's it but when you step back and you have to follow it does build you up to become a a better leader and and Some people would disagree with me, but we've seen it firsthand over the years, you know I see it in my endeavors away from the industry Um, and it and it humbles you and when you can be humbled Um, You know, it just I think gives you a a good opportunity to grow and grow the people around you. And so, um, you know, and again, this year is a challenge, a challenge for, for Doug, you know, as the project manager, a challenge for Bobby, a challenge for you, a challenge for Diane, definitely a challenge for me, because you know we had so much expectation on our shoulders and so you know this thing's worth that just you know our our insurance company goes out every year or every couple years tries to get a dollar value on it and you know they, they use auction house you know christie's different things and and like items that have you know been sold and they try to put a you know a dollar amount to it but we're talking over 300 million and that's yep. a lot of people now the chances of us you know, the, the, the thing that we're going to do is poke a hole in something, you know, is we're going to bit something, you know, They're, it's not going to, we're going to destroy it, but in all these years we haven't, but you know, the risk factor for the insurance companies is pretty real, you know, uh, to the, to the point that they want to FaceTime with me, see what's going on, see how we operate the project and all that, because it, it is of such great value. Um, going all the way back, this started in 1999 with my buddy Dave Morris. I met Dave Morris actually in 97. But 99 him and I started talking detailing as involved in in another in another business um, that I had partnerships with that looked that that partnership was going bad real quick. Um, a lot of things went down. And by 99, we were in a hot spot. And I told Dave Morris, he was a, a pilot and uh, flew for, for, for a uh, family. Um, He was their personal assistant, their bodyguard. I mean, he he did a lot for this family, very, very uh, well-known, well-to-do family. And um, they had some aircraft. And when I told him my plans for detailing, uh, literally that next day, you know, I I started working. And uh, Dave just kept introducing me to new people. And then just being around that, you know, I started out just doing aircraft at that point and was moving into cars. That was the plan. But at that point was just aircraft. And, um, at that point it put me into circles. I started, you know, meeting other people. Um, and in 2001, uh, early 2000, early 2000, late 2000, early 2001, I, I met, uh, Joe Clark and Joe Clark. If you guys want to, you know, see something pretty cool aviation partners, they were the first to, to put winglets on the end of wings of airplanes, you know, and Joe was an innovator of that. Um, was heavily involved with Boeing naturally um, was, I mean, introduced me to Clay Lacey, another big name in the industry, you know, go look him up, you know, and and all these, this networking kept, it kept growing and blossoming And my, our, not only was our business growing, but our reputation, which is, I think even more important (coughs) within key circles was really, it was, I would call it on fire. We were just meeting the right people. And it all started back with Dave, Dave Morris, you know, good friend. Um, and Chris, I'm still in contact with Dave. We went and, uh, Carlos, uh, with, uh, Uber detail and I went and had dinner with him when we are up in, in, uh, Idaho. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's a great friend. Uh, he's, we've watched our, our kids grow together and, uh, he's just a great, great guy. So by in, in 2002, um, I'd done a lot of work with Joe Clark, <coughs> excuse me, I have a tick on my throat and, um, it was growing. I mean, he, he introduced me to friends. I was working with aviation, um, excuse me, shell aviation. I was, I was traveling starting in 2000. Uh, I started a relationship with, uh, aeroshell, uh, that was blowing things up. I was speaking at Oshkosh and, uh, all kinds of events. we printed out a, a air care guide. We came up with a product line, uh, things were really moving. And I got a call from Joe uh, November, 2002. And he goes, Hey man, I'm going to take and, and send a plane down, pick you up. Can you come up here to Boeing? I have got something to look at. I said, sure. And it was the week of Thanksgiving. That was on a Monday. And on Tuesday I was there on Wednesday, I did the test spots and on Wednesday afternoon, I flew back to Sun Valley, Idaho, where we lived at the time. And you know, the plane, it was, it was cool. It wasn't raining. Thank God. Um, you know, Air Force One, this is the one that Eisenhower and Kennedy, uh, Johnson, uh, Nixon, uh, all the way through, you know, for Carter, Ford, I mean, Ford, Carter, the whole bit. Uh, pretty important plane and a uh, lot, a lot of history to it. And it was owned by the Air Force. So the Air Force had representatives there. Boeing had representatives there. The museum had representatives there. They had tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to get this, this aluminum to come back and the paint to come back. They really wanted to salvage it because you know, the aluminum was the original that was exposed from day one. The paint was done back in the seventies and you know, there's patina. They want to keep the patina, but they want it to look majestic, like air force one. So I picked two areas and I went to work and literally all eyes were on me. You know, uh, they had, they gave me a couple hours. So I did a really small test spot on engine number three and uh, i had to think about it and um we sanded it down i took a wheel to it back then um then we took we took uh rotary and then we took wheel to it and then we took a drum buffer and 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 this is like a one by one area and it came out really nice. It came out to about 80% of what it is today. And we've worked on it a lot since then. So, you know, this was 20 years ago and we did the test spot almost 20 years ago. Uh, then we did, they wanted to see a big sloth on the side. They wanted to see a huge quilt size area to see how it looked that way. Now that one, I didn't have to go through quite the levels, but we did have to, we did have to have sand a few a few spots where really worried about the, the cladding uh, being affected. This is a clad aluminum um they did some tests after i was done very minimal removal of the cladding which was really really good and again we got to about 80 percent of what it is today um and that was it, it I, I mean i was surprised i would never done that large i was doing a lot of leading edges and so um you know they're pretty impressed but the boeing polishers didn't think we could do it to the entire airplane they just said you know there's no way you're going to be able to match it up it's just going to look like a quilt um, they didn't believe in me and Joe Clark just kept saying, Hey, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. So, um, by 2003, we really hadn't heard anything. We worked with him. We gave them our shirts. We gave him a proposal. It was over. I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but it was, it was right at a quarter million bucks, you know, to do the work. And, um, finally in, in April of 2003, we heard from him and in, in June of 2003, we went up and, and did it for the first time. And that was 19 years ago and we did it with uh seven people uh three of which were volunteers one it was evan helped us out you know a lot which you know evan still still added up there and incre- an incredible man um and we were there for two weeks and and it was incredibly difficult uh probably the most out of my entire career the most physically difficult Uh, two weeks of my entire career. I mean, probably those two weeks were probably more difficult than the other 50 weeks combined that year. I mean, it was really tough. Um, When we were done, it turned out surprising and and had a lot of challenges. It was on display in an awkward area. It wasn't on even ground. Um, You know, we couldn't get lift to work perfectly. Um, We had one boom to work with. I mean, it was just we had – you know a generator problem for the drum polishers i mean it just it you know nothing went perfect and um it, it was a lot of work um but what that did is really blossomed in to an opportunity i really thought oh we'll we'll bring it up to speed <clears throat> we're going to try to sell them on maintaining it but you know it's the air force it's the dod it's the museum they're probably not going to spend the money and so, shockingly when they saw the results they they asked me if I could get it even better. And I said, yeah, the good thing was, they're gonna cover all that aluminum up with paint because they just didn't like the way it looked. And they're gonna repaint the plane and lose the, that that paint scheme that was done back during the Jimmy Carter era. And so we were able to save and it's still the same paint. We've, we've done some touch up to it, uh, but other than that, um, it's the same paint. So it lasted you know, 15 years longer than what they thought and it's still going. Uh, okay touch-up spots will be needed but really i can't see them repainting that plane during my lifetime i mean it just don't it's not going to happen because it looks so good and so the circles it brought me into um was unreal i mean it just brought me into a whole nother level and for every person that's got a, a corporate jet they've got a garage full of cars and it just it changed my business you know being known we had to fight for the title of detailer of air force one detailing team of Air Force One all that stuff was a fight to get and we fought it um, it was incredible uh, we started out with seven the next year I think we went up and I brought I brought some some people from one of my other offices I think we're up to 10 uh, by 2008 we were up to about 17 and it was starting to really starting to take it was starting to look really good I mean like like almost factory factory new that first year that the pilot that flew it out of Boeing was there. He couldn't believe it. Now, I think he's since passed away. um, Is that the last time I saw him with it, he was like, just blown away. He goes, it looks better than it did. I think he flew it out of the first time in early 59, 1959. He was just blown away. Um, But it's a lot more than just air force one. Um, The 20 team members, all of us are volunteers. Uh, I think this year's going to be the first year that we, we actually break even for us. Meaning that detailing success, you know, and, and Diane, Chris and I, is that this is going to be the first time we, we, we don't put a pretty good chunk of money into it that we're going to take, you know, naturally, you know, you know our, our costs and everything else. Hopefully we, you know, we break even and make, make a few bucks. Uh, we do teach the team how to get donations in the local market. Several people did get donations and made some money off of it this year. Uh, but we're all volunteers, um, major supporters from the industry. I can't, I'm blown away that this year at the amount of people. And, Chris, do you want to go through that list real quick?
1: Yeah, in fact, but before we touch on that, you know, I want to back up just a tad. You know, one of the one of the questions that I get a lot is, you know, how do you get on that team? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, and it, it, it didn't originally start off this way, obviously, you know, because this project goes back to be right just before the creation of the Detail Mafia, but um, the the team members are selected from the Detail Mafia, uh, from that network group. So everybody on that project is a member of that group. And then in order to become a member of that group, um, you have to attend Rennie's five-day training. So that's a prerequisite for being a a member of the Detail Mafia. So that's kind of how all this gets, gets, gets started for current members, you know, but it wasn't always the case. It just kind of embo- evolved into that over time. But, um, you know, so that's kind of the bottom line with with how people eventually get on this project. But it doesn't happen right away either. You know, people come through training. They, they join the Detail Mafia. Um, usually it takes a couple of years before they might get an invite to this this project. So it's not, you know, it's not immediate. And uh, it, it all... Kind of, you know, goes back to how active they are with our group, how they participate with our group. You know, are they, are they, you know, not only uh, making withdrawals, like you like to say, but making deposits into our group as well, that kind of thing. So, you know, even I just that, thought it was important to step back and look at that.
0: Absolutely. We even want people to be making deposits into the general population of the industry yep. in their community. And so really I think the, you know, our, our leadership in the mafia had a great idea. This last, this, this, this trip is next year. Um, you know, they want to get more active in the selection process. It's a really tough time because, you know, there's 170, some 180 members in the group and to choose 30 is, is incredible. We've had a lot more positions in the past. We've had media people and so forth this year. We couldn't, we stumbled a little bit with that, you know, because we're just, we got trimmed down, you know? But I think that the, you know our leadership came up with a great idea that where next year it's an application process. You know the members put an application. That way we know they want to you know they want to go, and we'll say hey, here's what the prerequisites are, here's the application, and that way we can look at it and we know the people really want to be there. And so many people have gotten. I mean, I've got an interview with a with a, I don't know if it's a TV station or a, a, a radio station or a a newspaper uh, for one of the team members today. And so, you know, a lot of people got in the press. A lot of people got, you know, write-ups and so forth. Um, there's a lot of marketing to do with this. I mean, I still hand my business card out that's got my picture on the wing of Air Force One, and it just it blows people away. And I've been, I mean, 19 years, you know, yep. I've been doing it. So it's just it's a it's 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 unreal. And so it 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 is. It's you know, the selection process is very. We had a lot of people from just, you know, outside the industry, you know, uh, uh, sending messages over. I don't know if you saw any of them, Chris, but hey, how do I become part of that team? And, you know, the nice thing about doing it the way we do is it's vetted. It's not that we wouldn't, we'd love to bring the whole industry with us. Uh, But, you know, we know these individuals, we we know that everybody's at a certain level or above. And that's really important because we've got We've got six days, and we'll go down through, and we're going to show you what the aircraft are that we worked on, and kind of tell you what we did to each one of them. It's more than just one aircraft. All uh, right, mainly it's that the Air Force One, the 707, and, and a B-29 bomber. One of you know a handful, maybe uh, left in the world. There's only a couple flying. They hope to get a third one up soon. This one will never fly. They're going to keep it as a museum piece because there's just not enough. Uh, examples in the world and they just don't want to they just don't want to risk it going down you know they lost one a number of years ago that was flyable that was on its maiden flight since it had crash landed and it caught fire and was destroyed they don't want that to happen because there's just not many left uh for people to be able to see so chris you want to go through this list
1: yeah so you know so the volunteer team members are probably the most important part of this project right without without them without their donated labor this couldn't happen but the other thing you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna pull this up real quick um you know the other thing that makes this project happen is uh our sponsors and man we had you know a a huge number of sponsors step up this year um incredibly generous excited to be part of it and i think it just shows um the impact the project has had on the industry but how the industry has embraced uh, doing projects like this in order to help lift up the entire industry, you know? So, um, pretty much what you're, what you're looking at here on the screen, if you guys, you know, are got video is, uh, that's, that's the artwork for the shirt, but there's also all the logos for the sponsors and I'm just going to run through them real quick. You know, of course, uh, PNS double black is, is one of our main sponsors or is our main sponsor. Um, And then in addition to them, you know, we have Flex Power Tools. We've been using their tools on the project for years. Uh, Buff and Shine, uh, we've been using their pads on the project for years. Uh, The Rag Company, uh, same thing. They've been sponsors for years. We've been using all their towels on the project. I think we estimate about 4,000 towels each year uh, we we go through. Um, IK Sprayers, they've been a, a, a sponsor now for a few years and We use the sprayers on the project to uh, uh, apply the the various cleaners that we use. Uh, Plus, we protect the planes with bead maker because bead maker is Boeing approved. And uh, the IK sprayers are a great way to get that applied to the the big surfaces of the plane. Um, Rod and Jody at Road FS, um, they've been sponsors and involved in this project for, for many years now and uh you know it's it's been a couple of years since they were actually able to work on the project but they've even spent time out there working on the planes with us that's how involved they've gotten in the past uh grit guard they've been a a long sponsor um, of course it's the way that we clean all those buff and shine pads uh angel wax was a brand new sponsor this year so they came in to help and uh uh they uh they came out to visit us during the project um Dynabraid this is their second year sponsoring the project with us. And, uh, you know, they're they're uh, kind of inching their way into the automotive detailing space. And uh, and they've got some cool things they're working on for the future. Autofiber. So Ian Rammelkamp at Autofiber, he uh, sponsored the project for the first time this year, which was really cool. And then uh, Ragtop has been a sponsor before. Um, over at, you know, the guys over at, at Wolfstein's um auto geek stepped up to be a sponsor this year uh igl coatings stepped up their sponsorship again this year they've been a uh, a meal sponsor in the past and uh, this year they became a more uh, a more serious sponsor uh dr color chip and then same with your able your able's been a meal sponsor in the past and they stepped up with a a a major sponsorship this year as well so it's quite a list of some you know killer companies in the industry that see the value in this
0: yeah it, it was you know it, it's incredible to think about it and you guys are going to see you know we're starting a lot of new efforts um here in the coming weeks and uh, that's i was just looking down he's got a text and reference to it um but a lot with these these product partners we go back most of these companies years some decades i mean road fs you know jody and rod I've been working on their software system since we had our offices in Idaho. And so that's, 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 you know, 20 years, it's, it's unreal. Um, you know, naturally PNS being, you know, really involved. Um, I mean, just, I can go through each one of these and it's just so special to see them, you know, jump in and support us this way because it just makes it so much easier to make things really, really nice for the volunteers that come out for all of us that come out and work on this and not only for that but also for the museum staff that and their volunteers i mean we had we had two of their volunteers and evan the 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 display curator um they're with us almost every minute of the day from start to finish and we are getting there at you know a little seven o'clock every morning and sometimes not leaving until close to seven at night you know so i mean it it makes a huge difference you know to treat people we didn't have this option, you know, know, definitely when we started it 19 years ago, we didn't, but you know, even five, six, seven years ago, it just, you know, the industry's really grown and I'm proud of them. Um, meals, um, detailers, um, we can eat and we're, we're big eaters. And so, um, Diane and I worked out as part of our deal, you know, we turn we could turn this profit and we could get volunteers up, but Diane and I, a lot of people don't realize is that, we take the money that the, the museum would normally give us and we turn it into flights that the museum plays for for leadership hotel rooms double occupancy for uh, uh, how many how many rooms did we have this year we had 20 people in rooms
1: we had uh, eight rooms so roughly you know covered it for about, about Six, half the team
0: yeah about half the team has got rooms covered uh, we covered their breakfast. We covered their lunch. We covered their dinners. Uh, we had it was it was it was funner than heck. Uh, but lunches we had so many great people, detailers, helper. I mean, I I, I mean, it, it's uh, Kevin and Michelle have been involved. I mean, oh God, I'm thinking all the way back to 2010, 11, something like that. Long well, I can remember. Yeah, like a dozen years. Uh, William, which was just texting me right now, uh, Miami Lux. Detail supply. Um, I mean, here's a detailer helping detailers. You know, Kimball's, I mean, the the Kimball's on uh, uh, hands-on detail. Joe Kimball and his and his kids. Uh, yep. They they fed us. Um, Barry with SB3 again. You know, uh, a detailer that turned into a to 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 a product manufacturer. Uh, detail Plus Keith again. Somebody coming out of the industry. Jim Jim's Auto Installations Detail Center. Jim Gogan. I mean, he he bought us lunch i mean how cool is that and you're talking 20 i mean really 25 26 people and so i i mean it's incredible dinner you're able stepped up bought us dinner uber detail carlos and uni uh again you know it, it it's unreal i mean people in the trenches of detailing wheel woolies i mean just a great company uh kimball's hand-on detailing again came out and joined us and bought us dinner and Glassparenty jumped in and, and 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 bought us dinner, and it's just it's unreal uh, of what they did. And then we had, uh, we had some special sponsors actually go above and beyond that. So Chris, why don't you talk about what some of the people did for
1: us? Well, you know, you were talking about um, you were talking about Kevin and Michelle Davis. You know, one of the other cool things they've always done is they provide uh, brand new detailers helper belts for all our rookies on the team. So every year, you know, before the project starts, they come to me and they're like, "Okay, Chris, how many rookies are on the team this year? And so we had, I think, 11 or 12. uh, I think it was exactly 11 this year. And uh, so they shipped out 11 brand new belts. And those team members all got to use them and wear them during the project. And, uh, you know, we actually rely on those uh, pretty heavily anyways. You know, um, hit or miss sometimes, whether you... You use one on a car, depending on if you're in your shop and stuff like that. But when you're working on an airplane, you definitely want to have one of those things. So, um, and then uh, we've got some other, you know, fun fun characters in the industry that do some things for us. Uh, this is the third year that a, a guy in New um, New Mexico, George L. Chingon, I, I, I hope I pronounced that right, but he's provided jerky for the team. He ships out a couple big boxes of beef jerky and you know the team loves it because it gives them a nice little protein snack during the day so he's kind of become our official jerky supplier of the team and uh this year uh tom smith at buff bright did something really cool and i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up a picture of one in a second but he provided um he's been making these skins that stick on your polisher so you can kind of customize them and uh he uh let me see if I can, I can grab one real quick. But anyway, so he sent out a skin for the entire team. And uh, the guys were a little afraid to put them on their polishers at the project. Yeah, um, they
0: didn't mess them up. Because,
1: the because project, they didn't yeah, want to mess them up. But I've been yeah. starting to get pictures from them once they got home. So so here's one that Chris Williams sent me. And, uh, you know, gives you a little bit of idea, but on the side, some Mafia logo and Uh, the buff and shine reflection artist logo and he's got the air force one logo on there and the double black logo um so it's uh it's pretty cool you know the little things that people have been doing for this project for us
0: No, that was really i'm gonna i'm gonna take it in first off i mean um detailers helper belts i mean if you're working on a large suv uh if you're working on a boat an rv airplane uh, i use them on all kinds of stuff around the shop i mean they're it's funny because a lot of people at training and they they'll be kind of reluctant to put them on odds belt and when they start wearing them like holy crud it just makes it just makes things easier you know yep um george dude that jerky's unreal um i had to i don't even know if you know this chris but i had to forfeit mine um (laughs) a couple of the guys had eaten theirs, and i had a bag that i was gonna sneak home and um I felt bad because I heard him talking about it, so I forfeited mine and, and gave it up. Um, but it's on. Un- I did get a piece or two, but um, it was it's unreal. I mean, for Georgia to step up like that, just unreal. And then again, you know, the 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 skins were un. I mean, I can't wait to get mine on. You know, uh, pretty cool. But you know, one thing that we decided to do this year is we always have. You know, I think I gained five pounds. I'm I'm serious. I'm still full of sodium uh, from up there, you know, I just, God, I feel like I'm just buffed up beyond, but, um, you know, every morning we we've, we've had donuts in the past, but we found a new place, really, really good donuts. And we'd have the sponsors of myself. Uh, we'd walk around the project and do donut delivery to the teams. Something so simple was so appreciated and guys that weren't even eating donuts were eating donuts because they were so good. Um, the patio talks, we have patio talks at night. Um, we, we, we used to, we're going to change that back up, and go back to the way we used to it, and have pre arranged chats. It just got ahead of us. And again, such a small team. We're just adjusting. But uh, God, there's some nuggets, some notes that I put out that I wrote down that are just unbelievable. Uh, a lot of opportunities. Here's where it comes really interesting the people, you know, not only our team, because we know each other. You know, we know everybody on there, but not everybody knows each other. So for them to get to know each other was really cool. But the people that we got to know firsthand while there, um, Evan, you know, uh, with the Museum of Flight, unbelievable. He worked hand in hand with us. Uh, Marlene, her husband uh, was a B-29 engineer and was on the island uh, and was briefed right after Captain Tibbetts was briefed. Uh, the pilot that flew the Enola Gay uh, on, that, on that awful day, uh, he was there. And so her dedication to the B-29 is endless. And, you know, she's a big part of making sure we get up there every year. And she's in her 90s and the sweetest thing. And she brings us cupcakes. And um, we presented her with a team flag last year. She presented it back to our daughter, Ryan, uh, which her and, her and Ryan, Ryan's known her for uh, 10 years. And so since she was 17 and Marlene, I I get to give it to my daughter, present it to my daughter when I see her next, uh, Dick. Oh my God. He was a B 17 pilot, uh, through flew 35 missions over Germany. Um, this was the third year that we got to meet him. Uh, he's 99 and a half years old and he makes sure to tell you the half. Um, he's incredibly sharp. I'm going to be putting some videos up of him. Uh, we, every year that we're with him, we get new nuggets and this year was no different talking to, to Dick, uh, Fred, the volunteer at the, the museum, incredible guy. I mean, we had, we had multiple incredible volunteers. Fred and I just really bonded, uh, pilots that come by and talk with us, the pilots of that flew some of these planes, uh, you know, we've naturally got Dick and, and, uh, but we've got other people that flew the B 29 air force ones pilot. Uh, people that blew, flew B fifty two bombers. I mean, just it's the stories, the history, the knowledge, the passion, uh, the heroics, the 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 uh, the sadness. Some of the sad stories they tell you. You know, it's it's life changing. I mean, it really is. And so, you know, those are some of the gifts that we give get by being up there. Challenges,
1: the, even the museum volunteers. You know that uh that are there on a regular basis have really
0: cool stories they do because they get to can you imagine who they meet i mean the docents are i mean these these people are i mean they're connected you know um i know years past we've met a couple of astronauts um you know it's just it, it's it's unreal um you know i,
1: mean, I walked into the um uh, can't remember is it like the the boeing barn i can't remember what they call it um it's that their, their old original building they have there. Yeah,
0: the barn. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I walked in there briefly when I was walking between uh, the two sides of the museum, and one of the docents in there had to be in his mid-90s, and he was sitting in a walker, and he could hardly hold himself up straight. That's how kind of old he was, but he was there. And yeah. you knew he was there because he wanted to be. That's how passionate these guys are about this stuff. You know, he wasn't there because it was easy for him.
0: So, yeah. well, they said Dick, you know, he's, you know, 99 He's going to be a hundred in February. Um, He, I think it was incredible. It was like, he was at 25 Saturdays last year Yeah, in front of that, that, that B-17 telling his story. And, you know, I didn't know it, but uh, he carries in his pocket and has his entire life, a piece of flack that was lodged in the protective panel that protected the pilot and co-pilot each one had their own that hit right behind his head and it would, you know, there's a video I'll put up and he says, yeah, my top grit, uh, uh, um, top gunner, you know, looked down and saw it and he says, I told me it was there. And he says, man, he says, reach out and pull that out. So he says, I took and gave controls to the first, you know, to the co-pilot and he says, I, I reached out and pulled that thing out, wedged it out of there. And he had it in his hand. And he says, yeah, that turret gunner says, boy, that had your name on it. But thank God they spelt your name wrong. You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> Where do you hear these stories from? I mean, you know, I mean, and then he really shared. And I, I pull I, every time I it's the third time he's told the story on how he controlled fear. You know, and it was it was really amazing. Um, so let's go over some of the challenges for me is, you know, it's. It's painful to choose 30 people when you've got probably. 100 or 125 that want to go um it really is and you've got to look at a number of things you've got to look at the the, the needs of the project you've got to look at you know the skill sets you got to look at fairness who's gone before who hasn't so you got to look at all these different things eligibility uh, all these different things and, and and you know health um ability you know are they going to be able to handle that workload uh as part of it uh, do they have do they work well with others not everybody works well with others so that's you know, part of it too uh for diane chris doug and bobby you know the planes i mean here's the list guys we did air force one a 707 we we worked on it and the b29 were the were the heavies that's what we had yep. to really get in and, and do it's a ton of work Concorde jet we had to clean it and then spray it down with beatmaker and protect it get it preserved only 727 it hadn't been cleaned since Probably a couple of years. We I don't think we got to touch. We didn't get to touch it last year. You want to know something? It's probably been since 2019. Probably, probably. Yep. But it was filthy, and we had to clean it. And again, we decided to go ahead and and lay down some some uh, protectant with with bead maker because it's it's approved. Uh, we also did test spots on the 727 because we're going to start. We already cut the aluminum once and just did a really rough cut. Now we're going to start bringing the aluminum, that's serial number one, 727. Um, we also did some test spots on the B-29 uh, for the wings, to get the wings done and so forth. Uh, the Lockheed Constellation, just an, an absolute jewel of an airplane, hadn't been touched in a while. It was out front, very difficult to work on. But then, you know, uh, a D-247, you know, uh, number one. Uh, we worked a little bit and got to, to, to work on the serial number one, 747. Um, and so we've got all these different planes. We did all the fighter jets, you know, all the different fighter jets that are on display, everything from an F-14 Tomcat, uh, to, uh, you've got, uh, Navy, Navy, uh, um, Blue Angels, you know, uh, they're on display. And yep. so we got to work on those. Um, now project sponsors, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to reach out because Chris isn't going to take in and and talk about this as much, but the project sponsorship of going through and figuring that out is likewise with the, the meal sponsorships, Um, all the team paperwork for 30 volunteers, all the schedules, the rooms, the flights, the shuttles, um, the shirt design, the project manual, um, team assistants, um, team leaders, uh, product ordering, chemicals, towels. Uh, wool and foam, foam pads. Um, it all comes down to Chris, Chris, Diane, Doug, and Bobby uh, arranging all the meals, the shuttles, the stickers, ordering the stickers, the patches, all the photography, trying to make sure that we got the right photos for the right, the right marketing, uh, all the social media. And again, take away lessons from what you know, Sydney uh, said is: Hey, give the team leaders the the marketing schedule you know, that was a brilliant idea. And what we used to have in years past was actually a marketing manager, that that's all they did was make sure that the marketing side was taken care of. With a small team, you really can't dedicate, you know, my schedule is just roaming and making sure that everything's safe. There's always questions, we can't do this, we can't do that. This works that, you know, going through and testing different things, believe it or not, some very skilled detailers. That aluminum is never the same on the B-29 Air Force One. As the weather changes, the humidity changes, the temperature changes, even though they're under undercover, is that it changes constantly. And through 19 years, we figured out the little, the little systems and processes that work and the ones that definitely don't. And so all these things coming together, it took weeks and weeks and weeks. So let's talk about you. And then we've got some questions. Let's talk about you doing projects? Absolutely, noteworthy. Listen, you got to put deposits into your into your community, and there's there's air museums all over the place. You know, uh, uh, um, there's there's tanks, there's there's military vehicles, there's historic vehicles, there's there's museums, there's all kinds of things to go after. Um, yeah. But you need to you need to know it's going to be a lot of work, and you, you only have one chance to do it right. Um, and 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 the quality of work. They're also knowing the difference between. Like, for instance, there's the very first, they believe, the first production fighter jet on display in the museum. Um, it's a cloth-covered cloth plane used in World War I. It's believed to ha- have the first factory-mounted gun on it in history. And all that is about is leaving the patina alone and, and just protecting it. But even what you can pr- put on it is, is you've got to know. So there's a lot of things, a lot of homework that you've got to do. You can't, you got to dig into having the right insurance. It's a whole different level, you know, of insurance. You've got to be prepared for that. And if you've got cheap insurance versus good insurance, because there's a big difference, um, you're probably going to have really stumble with it, you know, and have a hard time. For
1: this, for this project, is it, is it just an aircraft policy or is it a little different and more unique than that?
0: Yeah, it's, it is. It's It's underneath our, you know, we've got our normal garage keepers and then we've got hangers keepers for aircraft. And then there's this one. And it's an underwriting that goes into our general policy. But because of the value, I wanted to be transparent with our, with our insurance company and let them know what we're working on. Now it's become very, I won't say easy, but especially after this one where you know we went a little further than we've always done and 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 uh, they're very comfortable with it but a lot of a lot of companies aren't going to be you know we've, we're very blessed Malcolm Wood we've had two insurance companies over the last 20 something years um, because of this because of what level we worked on we've got to keep it going no matter we can't give it up and so it, it's pretty it's pretty special you, you know it's not your everyday so. Well, we got some questions i'd love to go down good morning uh joe kibble's on thanks buddy good seeing you last week really seriously thanks uh you already responded to my uh mr ramos good morning uh, yeah, see. Lot,
1: lot, lot, lots of
0: comments yeah
1: so, chris Santo says he's ready to go next year
0: yeah let's go there you go
1: they're gonna let him out of canada
0: yeah <laughs> yeah let's see they're going through no massages this year. Yeah. That's pretty funny. You know, there's a story behind that. If you see me at an event, come up and ask me about the, uh, cause it's, it's probably not quite PG. I mean, nothing bad happened, but it was the words that somebody used is, is, uh, yeah. So no massage this year. Um, you know, I, uh, Danny again, I think, uh, next training out in, or near in Oregon, uh, we don't have anything. Pro- it's going to definitely be next year. We love to come up there. Um, uh, and so we'll do something up in in uh, Oregon next year. I, you know, Keith 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 uh, and Sydney just had something, but I'm sure I'll be back up there at some point next year. Um,
1: uh, they, seem to, they seem to do something up there at least once a year, and I know we already did something this year. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, all the meals were fantastic. Uh, I'm sure I gained a pound or two. That's exactly it. Um,
1: or five or ten.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there you go. So Romero, you know, you're talking about uh, um, the air museum up there. It, that's I'm telling you, um, go in and talk to them. You know, it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt. Um, Handy, Danny, uh, you know, it's it it surprised me to hear that with, that you're having a, a hard time justifying a Brake Buster is one of the most popular products right now, it probably is, but it's not made for nasty wheels. You know, I'd love to see your system and process. And see because that is just a product that you know again if they're just if they're beat on wheels and you're working if your market has a lot of just just totally just diced up wheels and they're just it's taking major scrubbing yeah I can see it but on general wheels um, I mean I've got high-performance wheels I've got old classic wheels I'm looking at mine the key is I don't let them get filthy but even on the cars we use in training some of them some of them never been cleaned and we don't live in a real good area and I'll tell you it does a nice job now one thing we'll do a little trick we'll do is on something that's really really bad We'll actually layer them. So we'll we'll take and put on iron buster And yeah. scrub the wheels down and then top it over With brake buster scrub them down one more time and hose off that does a really nice job. And then also of course brake buster does the uh, the, the uh, tires too does a great job on engines does a great job on wheel arches um and and then the tires and believe it or not it does a really nice job on on raised white lettering if you've got it some of these some of the cars have it again um but yeah it's uh i'm surprised to hear that because it's such a you know my own experience i'm not talking i'm pretty pretty transparent with products that we think don't maybe not be up to par but that's one that i would say is that would uh it shocks me to hear that because it just uh, again if the wheels are trashed now that's not a shock uh A lot of people are, are, I don't like using acid. I'm totally not an acid person. We took it out of our arsenal for the safety. Uh, uh, Hydrofluoric acid is really dangerous, you know, for people. Um, If you're mobile and you're out using acid and you're getting on people's driveway and you're not neutralizing, it, it's bad for their kids and their pets. If you're in your shop and you're using it and you're taking your shoes and, and, and walking and going home and, and you're taking that home to your family and your pets. Um, so I'm, I'm not a real, I, acid's a last, last recourse, but yeah, I'm mean, try that little tip I said, you know, so, uh, you have to love this guy, right. man. Here,
1: here's a, here's a good question. What, oh. what metal, what metal, Joe asked, what metal polish do we use on the old planes?
0: Let me see if I can get a bottle of it. I think I stole it and took it with us. Um, but metal, all, I,
1: probably all, all the way over in the glass cabinets, but, uh.
0: But metal bright is uh, yeah I think I I think I don't think we have I think I need a, I got a, one bottle of it it's trashed um, I don't have anything close I can get but metal bright penis metal bright is a really good general purpose um, but the combination that we have to use depending on what we're finishing we use a lot of roll light product uh, we uh, we used in one area heavy metal. Uh, metal polish on one area of the b29 on the on the uh i can't remember even what it was but it's just real sensitive and so we've got about six different polishes that we actually use but our go-to is is metal bright that's our go-to that's the yep. generalized one that we just we use over and over um great question though so all right well with that unless we have any more questions i think we just got it um we wanted to just kind of share this with you. I know it's not an exciting podcast, but, um, yeah, that's exactly it. Those planes do Joe Kimmel's at me and they get the elements from the salt water that, uh, that comes over, you know, Seattle right there. Matter of fact, there's a canal behind us that goes out to the sound, you know? And so it's a saltwater canal. Um, it's uh, pretty, pretty insane. So, well, you know, that, that brings up another point
1: too, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, people have said in the past you know you guys are doing the same project over and over again and you know you always mention well you know it's nice to have your repeat customers and all that but the bottom line is the planes require maintenance it's not like you just detail no. it once and you walk away no you got you to do it over and over again just like your customers got to redetail their cars over and over again and uh, these big planes specifically are in a pavilion and it's got a big roof on it but the walls are open and uh, it's pretty amazing what a year of Seattle weather can do to an airplane. You
0: especially, know? especially clad and unclad metal, guys. You can think of bare aluminum wheels. A year without maintenance, those wheels are – here we're talking about Brake Buster and how it, may, it might not work You know, on some wheels. Well, there's a the perfect example of what's happening with these planes. Yep. I mean, they're not going around and around, but all the wheels don't have what they're exposed to either. You know, and and so, and here's the other thing when I hear people say that, ah, it's the same project over and over again. Hey, man, sorry if your customers don't come back to you for 19 years. Uh, other people have tried to, to get this project, and they've actually, in the early days after I did it, because we're not cheap. I mean, even though we volunteer guys, the museum is still into this tens of thousands of dollars. So we did the number, Evan and I, and it's probably 50 to 60,000 this year. It's a bargain for them. I'm not saying it's not, but there are people that come at, came in back in the days when we were $200,000, $250,000 that tried to come in and underbid us. And when the museum would have them, you know, and the Air Force would have them do test watch, they couldn't perform. So it's not just that we're coming back and working on these things, it's also that we're preserving them. Um, you know, it's just crazy. And so, yep. you know, it, you know it's- the other
1: the other thing is you know sometimes I see comments like oh well it's not the real air Force one and all that well it is a real Air Force one it's no longer in service it's a historical artifact and unless you know unless people decide that they don't believe in in preserving history anymore it's important to do these projects to preserve that history oh yeah
0: you know? was, so was- say,
1: someday the current air Force one might be a historic you know artifact as well and it'll it'll require preserving too but for now like the air force takes care of it and they're not going to let anybody else near it
0: <laughs> I've, you know i've worked on the two current ones right now years ago two, 2003 2004 uh i was called called in as a consultant under the the bush administration uh it was pretty awesome i will tell you those planes aren't near as exciting as these you know they've got historic value but a lot of it, we we don't even know. And and you know what? They're it, the 747. One of them is going to be retired out here, probably pretty quickly. You know, pretty quickly. Um, I'm guessing that it's going to go to a museum. I'm guessing that one of the presidents use it. Probably Clinton is going to have the first opportunity to pick it up, and it could definitely go into a, another museum. And it, it is going to have to be preserved if they care for it. Uh, the Reagan one. I worked on the Reagan one uh, when it was first dismantled. I went down and and helped them both at Norton Air Force Base, when it was Norton Air Force Base. Um, now it's not. And then they disassembled it, uh, rolled it down to the, the Reagan Museum. We helped go through. A contractor had the rights. They, Oh, God, they, they could have easily destroyed that aluminum forever. And so we walked through uh, what they shouldn't be doing with it, and then we helped them learn how to polish it to the best of their ability. It's in bad need again. But, again, we we we've got our set standards, and if the museum won't, meet our standards we're not going to work on it it sounds crazy that museum doesn't um truly there is no air force one unless the the president's on it they go by the number you know so truly in the essence you know say people oh it's not air force one it's been a plane utilized for the purpose of being an air in the air force one fleet uh it was a primary plane there's a lot of secondary ones that were there but never had presidential use this one had a tremendous amount of presidential use primary presidential use a lot of historic use and that's what i like about it because the stories behind it my goodness it was on the tarmac when when kennedy got assassinated i mean i mean is, is that something or what you know and we've talked to them i mean we've got stories you know some i'll share with the team that i've been told a lot of them i won't you know i just won't go on online and do it um you know it's it and again you know the glass even on the planes you know is 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 sydney went up there you know she's she's crazy you know over glass polishing right <laughs> and, and protecting it Um now it it does and so it uh she went through and on the on the b-17 she did one of the access panels that's plexi and yep. got it looking brand new i mean she did that on her own the volunteers kind of hit her up and you could see a twinkle in her eye you know, and she's like, twink, you know, that's my specialty. And yeah, so she did, she
1: did some of the interior of it, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They took it completely off the plane for, her, you know, and set it down on a pad outside underneath the wing. It was pretty cool to watch it. You know, It was pretty, pretty cool to see it, you know, and touch it, because that's the last B-17F model in the world. There is no, no more. And so, you know, one of the, peop- the, the things that people ask us, too, is that we coded any of them got to be really careful. We can't coat the aluminum. There's one, I would say one aluminum coating that we've tested on Air Force One with the Air Force and DOD and Boeing and Museum and uh, Museum of Flight years ago when it first came out. And it doled down the look of it and it didn't add that much protection. And so we really didn't, you know, it wasn't crazy. Um, it just didn't make it look right. As for the paint, i would love no more you know we've got next year we're going to go through and gently take and revive the paint on air force one right now we've just been preserving it the last couple years but it's a need of 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 a a mild cleaning you know it's a single stage got to clean it up i would love to get it coated you know because that will take it out probably five years in between heavy service you know so it's pretty pretty cool but yep well guys i get to go to the dentist so uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah just deep cleaning you know just cleaning and uh yeah but hey I, i'm glad we could share this with you guys uh, you,
1: you get to go to the dentist i've got 100 i'm looking 133 emails to look at
0: yeah 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 it, there's a lot in there i've been slowly <laughs> chipping away at them too the ones that i can take care of I've been slowly chipping away but well hey uh thanks everybody have a great day uh it's always a pleasure to come to you guys and thanks for uh thanks for listening in Take care. We'll see you next time. Sounds good. Have a great day, guys.